Hello, this is your fertility pharmacist. This podcast is for women who are trying to overcome infertility. If you keep a pulse on late-breaking fertility research, it could positively alter the course of your fertility journey like it has for me. Hi, I'm Elise, your fertility pharmacist. Wrapping up a long year here, I'm probably not the only one who is short on sleep. While speculating on the links between sleep issues and infertility, I came across a research study published last week on Plus One, which is an online-only journal that is free for any and all to read. The research study came out of Taiwan, and it's called Obstructive Sleep Apnea Increases Risk of Female Infertility, a 14-year nationwide population-based study. For those of you who may be wondering, obstructive sleep apnea is a sleep disorder where, during sleep, breathing gets cut off because the muscles in the throat relax, and this winds up closing off that much-needed airway. The Mayo Clinic does a good job of showing and explaining, so the show notes have a link to check out more details. It's actually really common for people to not know that they have sleep apnea. Signs that someone might have it include intense snoring, choking or gasping while sleeping, and or feeling tired throughout the day despite sleeping. Many patients who have obstructive sleep apnea, which I'm henceforth shortening to OSA, are also obese, although people of normal weight can also have it for reasons like genetics and facial structure. OSA is more common in men than women, and I've been trying to find a straight answer of how common OSA is in premenopausal women. One thing I did find is that OSA is more common in black women versus white women who are younger than 35 in the United States, and that OSA is as common in the U.S. as it is in Asia, which is worth noting as the study was conducted in Asia. And speaking of the study, it's time to get into it. I'll briefly tell how this study was set up so we can get into what everyone really cares about, which is the results. This study came from looking at a subset of Taiwanese women who used national health insurance over the 14-year period of 2000 to 2013. These women were ages 20 to 45 and had been diagnosed with infertility by a gynecologist. To compare women diagnosed with infertility to women not diagnosed with infertility, the study authors found twice the number of presumably fertile women for each infertile woman, so this was a 2 to 1 ratio. They tried to determine if other variables like PCOS or obesity played a role in whether or not a premenopausal woman was diagnosed with OSA. Since I have a plane to catch in a few hours back to the Midwest, that has to be the gist of the study. Moving on to the results. Overall, the study compared 2,400 infertile women to 4,800 fertile women. There were 33 infertile women who had been diagnosed with OSA compared to 30 fertile women. The authors looked and didn't find differences in risks of infertility based on patients having disorders that were gynecological, endocrine, heart, kidney, or mood-related. Thus, they concluded that infertility itself gave women a 2.1 odds ratio of having OSA as a diagnosis versus the fertile women. Another way of saying this is that the odds of an infertile woman having OSA were 2.1 times higher than fertile women. With that, the authors then discussed what they liked about their study, that it was the largest retrospective study looking at women with OSA and infertility. They also went into how they had previously looked at infertile women who had sleep disorders that were not OSA and found that women 
without OSA, but sleep disorders had almost a fourfold higher risk of also being infertile. Between these two studies, these authors cornered the market on looking at sleep disorders in infertile Taiwanese women. It's worth noting that earlier this year, a different group of Taiwanese authors published that OSA increases the risks of infertility in men. Again, if the question is coming up, how is this relevant? The answer is that the data we have shows that folks in Asia have similar rates of OSA as in the U.S. Speaking of rates of OSA, the actual rates of OSA found in today's study were low. 1.4% of infertile women and 0.6% of fertile women were found to have OSA. To me, it seems like a good thing that even if it is higher in infertile than fertile women, very few infertile women also have OSA. Perhaps this starts to answer my earlier question of how common is OSA in premenopausal women? Either way, even though OSA is underdiagnosed, I disagree with the author's final conclusion that, quote, infertile women should be screened for signs and symptoms of OSA, which may help to increase female fertility, unquote. Okay, maybe if a woman goes to a fertility clinic and has obvious risk factors for OSA, sure, go ahead and screen her. Otherwise, this seems like a waste of time for busy fertility clinics. They can't and shouldn't screen for absolutely everything under the sun. Another weakness I found in this study was that we don't know more about these infertile women. Did they ever conceive using IVF or another method? While the authors looked at a ton of potential factors that could have shifted the results of their study, one thing they didn't look at was whether or not these women had ever given birth. Even if they didn't have the capacity to look at all of the charts to find this information, I bet they had the bandwidth to look in depth at the 33 infertile women with OSA. Next time. While the study included a bit more, like speculation into why OSA might lead to infertility, it was just that, speculation. Overall, I think this study contributed to the conversation of figuring out how sleep is linked to fertility, but clearly more research is needed. If you're interested in reading today's study yourself, the link to it, as well as many other links, are posted in the show notes. That concludes the last episode of 2021. May you sleep well and have happy holidays. This is Your Fertility Pharmacist. Thanks for tuning in. 